Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. Working from the Sarah Abbott Studios is Sarah Abbott in Bristol. Taylor Schwink is working from the Taylor Schwink Studios in the foothills of Connecticut. And I'm Buster Olney in my home in Montana. Well, today is officially the last day of the regular season after six months of jousting but it really felt like yesterday was the day when a lot of unfinished business was concluded. You start with this. The Atlanta Braves, who were 10 and a half games out of first place in the morning of June 1st, wrapped up the National League East title with a win over the Marlins. Here's what the final out sounded like on 680 The Fan. Groshans awaits. Travis sets up on the outside corner. 2-2. In the air to right field. Ronald Acuna back. Ronald is under it. The Braves for the fifth year in a row, the Braves are champions of the National League East. And, of course, they clinch a first-round bye. You could see, by the way, the Braves celebrated that they're feeling really good about themselves. They kind of went crazy, even though they're the defending champions because of how far back they had to come from to win the division. After the game, Austin Riley spoke with the reporters. This is your show. I'm just here. Talk to me, man. You've had a you've had a year for the ages. You've been one of the most consistent hitters in the big leagues all year. What an amazing year for this team. How are you feeling right now? Amazing. You know, this is like like Smith said. You know, when you go into spring, this is what you want. This is the number one goal you're trying to do. Check off the list. Uh, this fight that this team has. Um, you know, you, you just can't say enough. You know. I feel like I got a few gray hairs on some games, you know, like I said, it's just the ups ebbs and flows. I've always said, you know, you can't look ahead. You got to take it day by day. Um, and we did that. And, um, you know, we're, we're at the top of our division. That was Peter Moylan, former Braves pitcher, not a broadcaster now on the Braves television network, doing the interview right there. Brian Snicker also spoke with reporters. Speaking of special, <laughs> on June 1st, you're sitting 10 and a half games back tonight. You're standing yeah. here as division champs. How'd you do it, and how yeah. rewarding was the climb back to the top? Yeah, very much so. I mean, these things are never easy. They're all special in their own right. We did it with that group behind me because those guys, they're an amazing group. I said they're, they're, they're the battle-tested guys. Um, you know, they never stop believing in themselves. Their work ethic, the, the consistency with which they come, with which they play, the coaching staff, how these guys, they take every day the same, too. I mean, they're right there with them, guys. Um, you know, Alex just never stopped believing in us. I mean, um, continue to try and make this club better all the time. I'm, I'm, ha- I'm just so proud of our organization because, like I say, it takes the whole building to, to do something special, and we just gave ourselves a chance to do something special again. You could hear the emotion in the voice of Brian Snitker. The Padres wrapped up the number five seed in the National League with help from Manny Machado. Rounder up the middle into center field. Here comes Profar. One nothing Padres. Machado comes through again. So with the victory last night, San Diego has wrapped up, uh, as I mentioned, the number five seed. They will face the Mets in the wild card round. The Phillies will face the Cardinals in St. Louis because Philly closed out the last wild card spot on Monday. Here's what that sounded like. Swung on, popped up, shallow center, coming on Marsh on the run. And the Phillies, for the first time in 11 years, will head back to the postseason. They stream out of the dugout and celebrate at the pitcher's mound as the Phillies have rallied. From their slow start, and they have taken the final spot in the National League playoffs. Scott Fransky, Sports Radio 94 WIP. And after that, Rob Thompson, the Phillies interim manager, talked about taking over the team when it was seven games under 500. It feels great. I mean, anytime you get to the have the ability to go to the playoffs, because getting to the playoffs is difficult. It really is. Trust me. Um, I've been there a lot, um, and I've I've had a lot of uh, disappointments along the way too. So it's difficult to get there. So when you get there, you feel ecstatic. Now, starting in four or five days, we got more work to do. So um, we 
going to focus on that too. So, but we're going to enjoy this right now. You didn't victory. Rob Thompson understated. Now that, as I mentioned, was on Monday. On Tuesday night, the Phillies faced the Astros, and Justin Verlander was absolutely dominant. One out. Runner at first. Here's a one-two pitch. Swing and a miss. Strike three. Maton is down on strikes for the second time. Verlander now has his 10th strikeout. Yeah, he finished the season after last night's start with a 1.75 ERA, an 18-4 record. And I believe, at this point, he is a heavy favorite to win his third Cy Young Award. What a doubleheader for Luis Torrens of the Mariners. In game one, the backup catcher pitched the 10th inning and was credited with a win when this happened. That'll do it. Riley Green under it. Here's Santana. He's going to score. The Mariners win the ball game. 7-6 on the sack. Five by Abraham Toro. Making a winner of Luis Torrens, a position player. First time that's happened in Mariners franchise history. And in game two, Torrens caught nine innings, and the Mariners swept the doubleheader. So the American League playoff field is set in the wild card round. The Guardians will host the Rays, while the Mariners will travel to Toronto to play the Blue Jays. But the biggest capper of the day happened in Texas with the biggest player. Aaron Judge went into game two of the doubleheader with 61 home runs. He came to the plate in the first inning. Here's what it sounded like on WFAN. Swung on. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Number 62 to set the new American League record. Aaron Judge hits his 62nd. All the Yankees out of the dugout to greet him. Just think of it. Three Yankee right fielders. The Babe hitting 60 and 27. The Jolly Roger. Hitting 61 and 61. And now Aaron Judge hits his 62nd home run. I'm so happy that my friend John Sterling had an opportunity to call that on WFAN. Well, my friend Michael Kay got to call it on the S Network. High fly ball. Deep left. There it goes. Soaring into history. He's done it. He has done it. 62. Judge is the American League single-season home run leader, the AL King. Case closed. Michael Kay, of course, with that call. Here was the call on WADO. Vuelve. Swing. Ahí va el batazo. Profundo por el izquierdo. Para parer el jardinero. Olvídala. Esa se va. Se va. Se fue. Ahí está. Al fin llegó. Échale sazón que tenemos un nuevo rey del jorrón. Aaron Judge, el juez, culpable en la misma primera entrada. Voló la cerca por el jardín izquierdo. Aaron Judge deja atrás a Babe Ruth y ahora deja atrás a Roger Maris. El rey de los, de los jorrones de los Yankees es Aaron Judge. Llegó el 62 y los Yankees están adelante. Una por cero. Aaron Judge, el récord es tuyo. That was Ricky Ricardo with that call, as I mentioned on WADO. Here's what it sounded like when Aaron Judge was taken out of the game. Going out there right now is Cabrera, and he's going to tell Judge, your work is done. Listen to the ovation. Yeah, pretty cool move by Aaron Boone, our old friend. After the game, Aaron Judge was asked about what he thought it was gone when he hit it. I had a good feeling off the bat. You know, I haven't played too many games here at the new park. I know the old park, the ball really, the ball flew out of here, so I knew I had a good chance at the old park. But here, you never know, but I had a, I had a good feeling off the bat. You know, I just didn't know where it was going to land or what it was going to hit. And, you know, there's a good sense of relief once it, I saw it land in that fan's glove. And, you know, we're up one nothing, And, you know, now, now a chance to see Garrett go out there and break another record. So, um, I was I had a good feeling off the bat. Here's Judge talking about getting to 62. It's been a been a fun ride so far. You know, getting a chance to do this, you know, 
with the team we got, the guys surrounding me, you know, the constant support, you know, from my family who's been with me there, you know, through this whole thing is, um, it's, it's been a, it's been a great honor, you know, and also, you know, Roger Maris Jr., you know, him and his family, you know, supporting and being along for the ride too, you know, a lot of thanks and, um, Congratulations to them too for their constant support through this whole process. Because I know it's a it's a tough situation. You know your your dad's legacy, and you want to uphold that. But you know, getting a chance to to meet their family, they're wonderful people, and you know, getting a chance to you know have my name next to you know someone as great as Roger Maris, Babe Ruth, those guys is incredible. Yankees manager Aaron Boone talked about what it was like watching Judge hit his 62nd homer. Really amazing. You never know how you're going to react in the moment. And um, it was just so, so very cool. I mean, I felt like a little kid, you know, like, you know, because it wasn't necessarily a no doubter, but you thought he got it. Like, you're just kind of, you know, mouth open, like, and then you see it go and to see the eruption of the dugout, um, you know, you, you don't know how you're going to react. You know, we've been in, waiting in for this and, uh, hoping for it and, and obviously excited about it, but um, it was special. Afterward, Roger Maris Jr. tweeted this out. Aaron Judge is the new clean home run king. He put those uh, that, those words, clean home run king, all in caps, two exclamation points. All the young kids who watched Aaron Judge set the single season record for home runs, you finally have someone to revere. No more trying to explain to you how someone could possibly hit 73 homers. I'm going to ask Jesse Rogers coming up how he feels about that as well as Todd Radom. On SportsCenter, uh, we had a, a piece in the can for a number of days waiting for number 62. Here's what it sounded like. When you talk about Ruth and Maris and all these Yankees greats, we never imagined as a kid getting mentioned with them. All rise, here comes the judge. Now Aaron Judge stands taller than anyone in American League history, the owner of the sport's most coveted single-season record for home runs. Roger Maris's record of 61 home runs, established in 1961, stood for 61 years. The home run king, Roger Maris. After Maris broke Babe Ruth's mark of 60, set in 1927. When you know you're real close to something, you're going to try and gun for it. From one Yankee to another, and now another, with Judge taking possession in a year in which he has thrived despite mounting layers of extraordinary pressure. On the eve of the season, Judge turned down the Yankees' seven-year offer worth $213.5 million, instead choosing to bet he could drive his market value even higher. And with debate swirling about his decision and his future, the mismanagement of Aaron Judge is the biggest mistake for me. You mean to tell me that you're going to shortchange him over $2 million? Judge hit only one homer in his first 55 plate appearances. Swing and a miss. He was booed at Yankee Stadium. It's very difficult to have a great season when all eyes are on you. And then he took off. There it goes! Five more homers in April. See ya! First home run for Judge in 2022. 12 in May. Man, oh man, what a blast by Judge. 11 in June. This guy cannot be stopped. And with Judge leading the way, the Yankees raced to a huge lead in the American League East. Spurring conversation, this might be one of the best teams ever. Born for greatness, man. The Yankees slumped badly after the All-Star break. But incredibly, Judge kept going. Where does that confidence come from? Oh, when you're the best player on the team, you know, how can you not? Remarkably, with the Yankees lineup ravaged by injury, opposing teams kept pitching to Judge, and he kept bashing. Lots and lots of homers. Put another one on there! Another home run for Aaron Judge! 10 and 11 games as July turned into August. 
9 and 14 games as August turned into September. And the march to history gets a little closer. The swing, the power, the mental toughness, relentless. The bet on himself will pay off in a big way, with the slugger taking down the record that once belonged to Ruth and then Maris. And in the eyes of a lot of fans, he will be considered the best single season home run hitter ever because of the PED links to the performances of Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, and Barry Bonds. At six foot seven, 282 pounds, Judge is deemed the largest position player ever by the Elias Sports Bureau. And now he looms over history. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, 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 with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Jesse Rogers covers baseball for ESPN. Jesse, how are you doing? Great. This is my favorite time of year. It really is. Excited to see what this expanded postseason is going to bring. Excited to hear what the complaints will be after the fact. Oh, the division by teams waited too long or the wildcard teams just had to play too many days in a row without much time off. But I'm looking forward to this new format. See how it all plays out this first time around. Yeah, and I'm going to be getting your predictions. We'll share predictions and we'll share award picks uh, coming up. But of course, everybody in baseball reacting to Aaron Judge setting the American League record for home runs with 62, including Roger Maris Jr. tweeted out that he, you know, regards uh, uh, Aaron Judge as the real home run champion because he did it cleanly. When you saw that tweet, what was your reaction? I get it. And I think you can have two thoughts. You can say, look, this guy did it cleanly and deserves the accolades for that. But the record books say something else. You have to be able to have both those thoughts in your mind. And some people will say Bonds is the home run leader. That's it. And some will say, no, this guy is. And that's OK. It's a personal opinion. You can't you can't get inside someone's head and say you're wrong about an opinion. Uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm able to have both thoughts. In fact, if you were going to ask me about Judge's season, I was going to kind of pay him the highest compliment. It belongs in the steroid era. That's how good it was. It, it looks, the numbers look like it should be back in 1999 or 2000. That's how great it was. But in fact, he's in what we hope is a clean era and, and putting up this kind of year. Unbelievable and so enjoyable to watch from start to finish. Yeah. Uh, you're right. When you think about a player hitting 16 more homers than the next closest guy, Kyle Schwarber, you know, an adjusted OPS plus of 211, flirting with a triple crown in an era in which pitching is so dominant. I'm with you. Uh, and, and, you know, the fact is, is that he also, um, you know, set this record, American League record at a time when there is PD testing and you do get penalized. You get suspended if someone finds you with steroids. It's a different context. 
Um, I, you know, he can, and I think that Roger Maris Jr.'s view reflects the view of a lot of fans who follow baseball. They, they're going to feel the same way that he does, but you and I disagree with him for sure. Um, I was happy for Aaron Judge. You know, people ask me all the time, who do you root for? And I always say I root for good games and I root for good stuff to happen to good people. And that's what it feels like with Judge, who I think has been such a pro throughout this thing. And I want to say one more thing about the steroids. Look, there is always doubters out there when someone puts up numbers like this. The best thing to happen to him for those doubters is Fernando Tatis getting popped, to be honest. The fact that the system worked to, to, to knock a star um, he deserved it, but they didn't protect him. They didn't say, oh, the Padres are making it. No, no shenanigans. They, they popped him, um, and that, that means the system's working, and I'm sure Aaron Judge has taken many tests, and I hope those doubters say, okay, this guy had quite an unbelievable season and a clean season. I'm going to completely surprise you with this question, so uh, I apologize in advance. What's the number uh, for the contract he's going to sign in the offseason with the Yankees or the Giants, or the Mets, or some other team. What's yeah. the what's the final contract number for a player who turned down two hundred thirteen and a half million? Yeah, I think it's probably closer to three hundred thirteen million or something like that. I think it's 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 about a hundred million more than he turned down. That, yeah. that that that's the way I look at it. Yep, I'm right there in the same uh, you know same range as you. I'm going to be really really curious to see if Steve Cohen looks at his team and looks at Aaron Judge and said this player is the perfect fit, exactly what they need if they're going to make up some of the ground with the Atlanta Braves, who have this young, dynamic lineup that has power from top to bottom. The Mets need a power hitter. Yeah, and I know a lot of people think DeGrom might end up on the Braves, even more reason that the Mets uh, need. But look, it was one. Th I, I was about to say, it's one thing when Freddie Freeman leaves Atlanta. But look, it was Freddie Freeman leaving Atlanta. So that means anybody can. But this guy just became... New York's second mayor, for God's sake. The president of the United States tweeted about this home run last night, Buster. How does he leave New York? The Steinbrenners would be destroyed. Destroyed. You got you to give him a blank check. I remember Andre Dawson showed up at Cubs camp in 1987 right. with a blank, blank check. And he said to the team, fill it in. It's the other way around. The team has to give him the blank check and let him fill it in. Yeah, I think in the end uh, that you're going to be right because the pressure on Hal Steinbrenner to get this deal done is going to be unlike anything that he's ever experienced since he took over control of the franchise. All right, uh, the playoff field is now set. I know you are uh, covering the series between the Guardians uh, and the Toronto, or excuse me, the Tampa Bay Race. Rays. Tell me about your playoff picks. Let's go first off in the wild card round. Who are you getting among the uh, four series? Um, I took, let's see, the playoff round. Now, the, the Mets are in the playoff round. I took the Mets. I took, you took the Mets over the Padres. Yeah, I did take the Mets over the Padres. I, I, I think Scherzer and DeGrom are going to figure out whatever went wrong last time out in Atlanta. And, and yes, I took the Mets over the Padres. Is that a big surprise, Buster? Um, I think that the Padres are playing really well. I think the Mets are down on a mat after, you know, losing out the division, getting swept in Atlanta last weekend. I'm picking the Padres over the Mets. I just don't uh, think just, San Diego can score enough, even with Soto and Machado doing their thing. They just don't score a lot of runs. You're right but, about that. The one thing I would say is I feel like both those guys in a big moment on a big stage that they'll respond differently. I took the Phillies. Um, and that's the tough one. I, I assume you agree. I think they'll just hit a couple more home runs. I don't love St. Louis's starting pitching. If you can't immediately reel off one, two, and three in that rotation when, once you get to October, that makes me a little nervous. Like, who's one, two, and three in St. Louis? I'm not exactly sure. I took the Phillies. I don't love that pick. I took Cleveland. I'm banking on that more my heart than my head. I like a team that's 29th in home runs, advancing a couple rounds, contact, stolen bases, um, boy, they're set up for the for the future with the with the rule changes, Buster. But I'm going to pick Cleveland, kind of a newcomer in this in this group. We've seen Tampa the last few years, and then we've got Seattle and Toronto. Uh, I'm going to pick Seattle. I'm going to say Toronto's a little bit too much of a one trick pony, right handed, home run hitting. Seattle can beat you a few different ways. I'm going to take Seattle and a little bit of an upset there. All right, where I disagree with you on those, I'm going to take the Cardinals. I think they're you know a really good team and they're playing better and they have more depth than what we uh, thought at the beginning of the year. 
Uh, I am going to disagree with you on the Blue Jays and Mariners series. Uh, I think the home field for Toronto is huge. I think the crowd there is tremendous. I think Seattle, you know, you mentioned the the question of whether or not, uh, you know, the Padres can score enough runs. I kind of wonder about that with the Mariners, you know, with Julio Rodriguez kind of banged up. They've had injuries. My goodness, they finished a doubleheader last night with, you know, Carlos Santana playing right field. So, you know, you wonder how they're doing physically. Uh, you and I are on the same page with the Guardians. In fact, uh, and not only do I think that they're going to win the first round and knock the Tampa Bay Rays out, I think they're going to beat the Yankees in the second round because, you know, all this Aaron Judge conversation about, you know, his, the home run record, I think is completely overshadowed a major problem that's developed for the Yankees, and that's with their bullpen. They've got a lot of pieces down there, but they've had a lot of injuries. And it's so unusual to see a team that, you know, essentially won its division handily going into October with so much uncertainty about which roles are, are going to be filled by which guys. And I don't love their starting pitching. I don't love even their offense outside those key guys and their big guys to get around Stanton and Judge. Like, the thing is, I, I'm in agreement with you. We can find reasons to pick Cleveland. I mean, it, it, they're going to be the underdog, but we can certainly find reasons. If, if, if Cleveland comes into a series and it turns into a home run hitting contest, like the playoffs sometimes do, they're done. They're done. But you have to hope that they get a few guys on base and score just enough while a very great pitching organization can get around Judge, get around Stanton, and, and win that series if you're, if you're a Guardians backer. But there's plenty of reasons to pick the Yankees if you just think, okay, they're going to hit more home runs than Cleveland. So I'm in agreement with you. I think you're right about that. I think there's a few teams, even the Dodgers bullpen, right? That's susceptible. I don't think the Dodgers have a cakewalk to the World Series. Um, and by the way, as we go into this, I don't know about you, I always kind of look for some upsets. Rarely does the chalk win throughout, right, all the way through the World Series. So when I pick Seattle over Toronto, I'm sort of looking for an upset. But I even don't disagree with some of the, the points you made in that series. So here's another case where I'm kind of like, could Cleveland do it? Yeah, they could beat the Yankees. So I think it was at the end of August that I began to you know, say, and I, I did a complete reversal from early in the year when I said uh, at the end of May that I thought the National East race was over. Because you don't see teams overcome a 10 and a half game lead, especially with a, a against a team like the Mets with Max Scherzer with Jacob deGrom coming back. I was completely wrong about that. And in my reversal at the end of August, I began to say, I think the Braves are going to be the first team since the 98 to 2000 Yankees to go back to back. I get the feeling, Jesse, that when all these picks are revealed at ESPN.com for all the writers uh, who cover the sport, that the Braves are going to have the most votes to win the World Series. What do you think? So I have them going back in a rematch, but I absolutely love the Houston Astros this year. Okay. Uh, what they have done after losing Strom, you know, the pitching coach, after losing Correa, they have, they have gotten better. Uh, Houston, to me, is the most complete team in baseball, and that includes the Dodgers. Now, I'm not saying far and away better than the Dodgers. I just think they can beat you in so many different ways, have so much power, have so much depth. I have, I have a pitching staff now, a year experience, but I'm not, look, I'm saying the Braves are going to get back. I'm saying they're just going to lose. It's going to be a rematch, but Houston's going to win this one. I'm in agreement with you. I was wrong about the Mets. I mean, not that we were going out on the limb, believing they'd, they'd win the division when, when they had that big lead. What the Braves have done, what Snitker's done, we have seen hangover seasons go south on teams. Yep. He, he allowed it for about six weeks. And then he said, okay, enough's enough. We need to be the Braves again. And since that day, they've been the Braves again. What they did last weekend, unbelievably amazing. So I, I think they ride that way back to the World Series, but, but just come up short this time. Let's run through your awards picks for the year. American League MVP. It's Judge. It's Judge. Okay, yeah, National yeah. League MVP. Um, you know, it, it, the race tightened. I'm still going to give it to Goldschmidt. Uh, the race tightened. And, and frankly, I might, I might vote Machado second if I had a vote. That's how much he's carried that team when their star player was out for the year. I love what Machado has done because Machado has been consistent. The numbers have been consistent. I'm still going to give it to Goldschmidt based on the first five months, five and a half months. Cy Young Awards, American League first, then National League. Cy Young Award um, in the AL, look, I'm in Chicago. I'd love to vote for Dylan Cease if I had a vote, but what Verlander just did last night probably sealed the deal. Dar darn good year by Cease, and he might be a winner in the near future, but I, I would vote for Verlander at that point. 
that's really a two-man race. You know, for a while, it was a little bit more open than that. McClanahan and the such. In the National League, who do I like in the National League, Buster? Alcantara. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was the pick for five months. Uh, and I, I guess he hasn't done anything in September to lose that. So I, it, it would be him. It's, it's, I guess for a lot of people, probably not the sexy pick because they don't know, know the guy. But the year he's had has been amazing. And no one really came close to him for the first five months of the season. Yeah, I would love to pick Kyle Wright. Uh, Julio Arias is someone who Dave Roberts is lobbying for, the great Dodger left-hander. I think it's incredibly underrated, but I think Sandy won it because of volume. You know, the fact that he was out there uh, you know, throwing seven, eight innings just about every game, it felt like during the course of the year in an era in which you know that a, you know, a lot of starts are five or six innings. I want to ask you before you go about Tony La Russa retiring. Uh, you heard him at his press conference. This is what it sounded like. Our team's record this season is a final reality. It's always about what your record is. And people will look at it and say, well, you know, you did this, that was good, or, you know, you should have done it. But it's, that's, we are our record. And it's an unacceptable disappointment. There are some pluses, no doubt, but too many minuses. And these are lessons that, were, that I was taught early on that have saved me over the years. In the major leagues, you either do or you don't. Explanations come across as excuses. Respect and trust demand accountability. And I've lived faithfully with that during my managerial career. I understand the ultimate responsibility for each minus this season belongs to the manager. That's accurate because always something else you can do. I was hired to provide positive difference-making leadership and support. Our record this year is proof I did not do my job. Who do you think is going to be the next White Sox manager? I think Joe Espada has a really good chance at it. I really do. Um, he fits the criteria that Rick Hahn is looking for. Winning organization, ex- recent experience in the dugout, outside the White Sox circular, you know, their family. I think if you ask me today, Espada has a good a chance as anyone. He's interviewed a few times. I think Matt Quattraro in Tampa could get a look, but I'm not sure he's going to get it. I think Sandy Alomar Jr. fits criteria, winning organization, been under Francona for a long time um, with Cleveland. Uh, I think Walt Weiss could get a look outside the White Sox family as well. But I think Espada checks a lot of their boxes. That, that's you asking me just days after they announced there's going to be a change. Obviously, there's going to be a lot more names than that that are in the mix. What did you make of what, what was said in their clubhouse after Liam Hendricks talking about how they need an authoritarian? What was your take on that? Yeah, I think that highlights where Tony went wrong, Buster. He bent over backwards to connect with players because he was gone for so long, and that's what he does anyway. But I think he went too far. He didn't hold them accountable enough. This is a guy that used to be known for fundamentals and being sharp at every aspect of a baseball game. And this team didn't look anything like that. I think that's why you hear a person like Liam saying we need an authoritarian because Tony turned out to be a a better version of a bench coach, you know, a guy that connects and is, is friendly with the players, if you can believe that, but never held them accountable enough. And you know that uh, before Tony was hired by owner Jerry Reinsdorf, the person that the White Sox front office wanted was A.J. Hinch, oh. the former Astros manager. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, that uh, A.J. probably, if he's asked by the White Sox about, you know, managerial candidates, he's going to have great things to say about Joe Espada. And maybe no that'll, uh, that'll be a chit, you know, for, for on, Joe's, uh, on Joe's behalf. I think the best candidate would be Davey Martinez of the Washington Nationals. Familiar with Chicago, won a championship, probably could get out of his deal there, right? They're selling the team, they're rebuilding. I would probably hire Davey first and foremost. Um, but a first-time manager, I think a spot is, is at the top of the list. Okay. Well, thanks for doing this, Jesse, and have fun with the playoffs. You got it. Take care, Buster. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. 
Experience it live. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Todd Radom is the chief executive of our weekly quiz. He's a graphic artist whose work can be seen on ball fields all across America, all around the world. Or you can go to his website, toddradom.com. Todd uh Aaron Judge home run last night number 62 you saw the tweet from Roger Maris Jr basically saying that uh, Judge is the clean home run champion how did you process that as a big baseball fan well Buster after I took my face out of my hands yeah I mean he's got a point but we can't make our own records we cannot do that uh Barry Bonds hit 73 it was a joyless slog, as you and I both recall, but it happened. And baseball records change all the time. It's such a slippery slope. How many juiced pitchers did he hit 73 bombs off of that year? You know, baseball was not integrated fully until Jackie Robinson came along in 1947. It yep. is such a slippery slope. It's honestly not a good look. A lot of the blowback against him, the get off my lawn stuff was palpable out there i say all kudos to aaron judge he seems to have done it cleanly no reason to believe that he didn't what an amazing impressive season let's enjoy it let's revel in it and uh let's look at history objectively and with a bit of a, a jaundiced eye perhaps now i'm gonna you know that was a curveball the first question i threw at you and i'm gonna back that up with a fernando valenzuela uh, screwball okay oh my knees are like jelly buster. Give me we we ought to do like some sort of a contest on the podcast where we uh try to uh project what the number's gonna be for the contract that he gets in the offseason. Off the top of your head, what's your instinct in terms of what his contract is gonna be? You remember he turned out 213 and a half million from the Yankees in the spring. What's the contract gonna be this winter? Boy, the what a what a first of all, what a great move. Talk about the ultimate betting on yourself in a uh, a crazy yeah. market. What is it? 450 million? I mean over a long wow. term. Man, that's way above where I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, but it's the Yankees. Come on. What I mean they're they're printing money in the Bronx. You and I talk about this all the time. What are you thinking? Well, I think the number's going to start with a 3. I am curious to see if Steve Cohen, uh the great collector of art, looks at Aaron Judge, looks at his own lineup that just uh, saw a 10-and-a-half game lead uh, get erased by an Atlanta Braves team that hits a lot of homers uh, and says, that's the piece I need for my museum and just puts a huge number out there. Um, yeah, I I, I, I think the number is going to start with a three. My big question is whether or not the Yankees chase. I've said all summer I don't think they will, but there's going to be so much pressure on Hal Steinbrenner. Like, yeah. if Hal Steinbrenner wants to live – with a you know whole the winter and and, and in spring when he uh, you know shows up at Yankee Stadium getting booed, boy. <laughs> and, and Buster, let's face it, here we are on October fifth. There's a lot of baseball yeah. to be played between now and a month from now. But if the New York Yankees fall short in their quest to win their first World Series title since 2009, given the expectations of that fan base, they may have to bite down hard and just you know go for it. Because the guy is not only is he accomplishing what he's accomplishing, but certainly a uh, a class act, quality individual, handles the pressure, handles the fans so well. This is the kind of guy you want on your team. Kind of like Xander Bogarts in Boston, which is another story for another day. Yep. Uh, yeah, absolutely. All right. So I started out with a curveball, screwball. I'm going to throw a knuckleball at you now because I know Taylor's got to get out. Uh, he's got another show that he's got to produce. So let's do the quiz before we have your phantom franchise uh, entry for this week. All right, folks, this is a this is a very special one. The Philadelphia Phillies have clinched their first postseason berth since September 14th, 2011. So here is this week's question. Which of these songs was number one on the Billboard Hot wow. 100 chart that day? Was it A, I Want to Go by Britney Spears? 
Was it B, We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together by Taylor Swift? Was it C, All About That Bass by Megan Trainer, Or was it D, Moves Like Jagger by Maroon 5 featuring Christina Aguilera? Phillies, first po postseason berth since 9-14-2011. One of these was the number one hit that day. I want to go by Britney. We are never, ever getting back together by T-Swift, All About That Bass by Megan Trainer or Moves Like Jagger. What do we got? Taylor, what do you got? Moves like Buster. I'll go Maroon 5, D. All right. Uh, so, Sarah, I already know that uh, you, uh, when as I heard the question, I thought, that's unfair because I know Sarah's going to know exactly when that Taylor Swift song came out. What do you got? The pressure I feel right now. Don't, don't, I don't, don't. personally feel we are never getting back together. Came out. Oh. Before then, so I am going to say, I'm going to say all about that base. I got Maroon 5, Todd. Buster and Taylor are correct. Oh my gosh. And to your layup. point, Sarah, we are never ever getting back together. It was from 2012, just a short time later. Mm. And so here we go. And I thought about this question and I thought about the Maroon 5 logo on what was that album cover. And I thought about the Miami Marlins logo of just a couple of years after. So, wow. Wow. I, like I got no. the moves like Buster. I, nice. I feel like a renaissance man because I'm like <laughs> nailing the baseball questions, nailing the music questions, dominating across the board. Sorry about that, Sarah. It's all right. I just personally choose to not think about Adam Levine anymore. So I think that's what wow. happened. I blocked him out of my brain. See, it was very, I, I knew it was a very timely day. question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Taylor, I'll release you now. Thanks for doing this. See you guys, Thanks. Taylor. All right. Uh, so this week's Phantom franchise, which Todd is the last Phantom franchise uh, entry of the year. You've done such a great job of these. Thank you so much for them. What do you got? Thank you, Buster. It's been a, a great fun year with these. And we arrive at the end of the road and we are talking about the Norfolk Expos today. So, Buster, the Montreal Expos were teetering on the edge of a move in 2004, pummeled by declining attendance and deteriorating finances. The Expos, who are owned by Major League Baseball, played 22 air quotes home games at Hiram Bithorn Stadium in San Juan in both 2003 and 2004, MLB officials postponed a decision on the team's future home in both 02 and 03, but by early 04, things were heating up and a series of potential homes were in play, including Monterey, Mexico, Washington, D.C., Portland, Las Vegas, and San Antonio. From seemingly out of the blue, Norfolk, Virginia emerged as a viable candidate for relocation. A pair of 26-year-old financiers led the drive to obtain the Expos. They conceded that the region's meager population of one and a half million was a minus, but they also touted the fact that the greater Norfolk area had the nation's largest population for an area without a major league sports franchise. They couldn't hope to draw three million fans a year, they said, but they projected that the team could reliably draw some two million fans annually. And most importantly, they had the pieces in place to make the move a reality. City officials embarked upon an energetic plan to spend $306 million with the bulk of the financing coming from the municipal tax-exempt bonds and a hotel room tax to expand minor league Harbor Park into a temporary home and to build a new 38,000-seat ballpark next door across the Elizabeth River in downtown Norfolk. They had another ace up their sleeve, Baltimore Orioles owner Peter Angelos. Angelo's aversion to a team in Washington, D.C. was, of course, well-known, Buster. But Norfolk apparently presented no conflicts. That's 180 miles away from Baltimore, he said. We're 100 miles away from Philadelphia, and that works fine. Of Washington, he asked the New York Times, would you put another team 30 miles away from the Red Sox or the Rangers? I don't see anyone trying to put a team in northern New Jersey to compete with the Yankees and the Mets. MLB's relocation committee visited Norfolk in January to have a look at the city and its facilities. The city painted its manhole covers to look like baseballs and took out ads in local newspapers. They noted the economy of their financing plan, especially compared to Washington's, and they touted the fact 
that local businesses and individuals were putting down deposits for season tickets and suites. Ultimately, however, Washington had something that Norfolk and other prospective leading landing spots did not. An acceptable ballpark in 45,000-seat RFK Stadium, which could serve as a serviceable, if imperfect, temporary home while a new facility was being built. D.C. officially landed the Expos in late September 2004, and they were, of course, reborn as the Washington Nationals the following spring. But today, Buster, we imagine a world with the Norfolk Expos, who are this week and this year's final Phantom franchise. And a great job again. Uh, you you picked a, a team near and dear to my heart because I, you know, as you and I have talked uh, off air many times, had a lot of conversations with Peter Angelos through the years, the Orioles owner, uh, covered him, you know, for the Baltimore Sun. And when that whole conversation was going on, uh, you know, his perspective was either you have to give me a wipeout deal or I'm not going to agree to this. And so now that we have this fight about, you know, <laughs> How the you know the deal was too sweet for the Orioles. I was I just kind of laugh. I'm like, yeah, Peter wouldn't have agreed to the move with the Nationals unless he got a sweetheart deal. And I we kind of knew that from the beginning. What did yeah. you think? Well, this was going to happen because it's Washington D.C., the most powerful city, arguably in America. The politics was there. Bud Selig wanted it there. You remember the uh, screws were turned very hard into yep. Mr. Angelos, who uh, is the word intransigent might come up when talking about Peter Angelos in his prime. And listen, Buster, the ramifications of this brokered deal with uh, MASN, the uh, Mid-Atlantic Sports Network being shared between the Orioles and Nationals, still, still uh, amplifying to this day, all these years later. So uh, not a pretty solution. And, and you know, listen, they, the world has changed quite a bit in terms of sports and uh, broadcasting all this stuff in the last 17, 18 years too. Yeah. I, I, is this, you know, lawsuit carried on and, and is, you know, continue the fight, uh, between the Orioles and major league baseball, just all those years knowing Peter and how litigious he was and which makes sense. He was a lawyer. Yes. He is a lawyer, uh, that, uh, yeah, he was going to fight for every scrap of advantage, uh, if he was going to agree to have a team going to Washington. All right, Todd, thank you very much. Thank you for teeing up another victory for me by coming up with a you know question built around music. Well, next week, Buster, we're going to be exploring the Pantone colors of the Miami Marlins. So <laughs> get ready, okay? Oh, my goodness. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bleacher Tweets. All righty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Wednesday. Bleacher Tweets are brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. P.K. Steinberg is up first. He called it here. He wrote, in advance of Judge hitting number 62 this afternoon, which are the top five most famous home runs ever hit, and where does Judges fall? Yeah. So, P.K., I, I saw that uh, that tweet come in with uh, the overnight note that I got from Taylor. And I must say, like in the moment, I'm like, oh, my God, I want to get this one right. But I, I don't think I able to process all the homers. But off the top of my head, I look at Aaron's number 715 as the most famous home run uh, for me, Kirk Gibson. Would, would certainly be in that, that home run he hit in the 1988 World Series off Dennis Eckersley. Yeah, Judge number 62, Mark McGuire number 62. Whether you, you know, are upset about what happened uh, with PDs with him or not, the fact is I think a lot of people will remember where they were when, when McGuire hit that line drive home run for number 62. Roger Maris, number 61, and wasn't alive for that. We've been watching a, a replay of that for many years. I got Kirby Puckett. Uh, from the World Series in 1991 is a big one, and David Freeze from 2011. Uh, Joe Carter, maybe from the when the Blue Jays won the World Series, and he walked it off at the end of that. Bill Mazeroski. So I, I think there are five in that uh, in that group of nine I just gave you. Taylor, what else did I miss? Mm, I think that's a pretty good list. Bond is 73, maybe. <laughs> I don't think that that's. I, you know, I, I said on get up this morning, like, you know, the Bonds is the all time home run leader, number 73. OK, that's record stands. But I don't think people were sitting there going, wow, you know, when uh, when he got there. And I don't think it's right. I don't think that's burned into people's memories the way that, say, Kirk Gibson's home run is. 
That is very fair. Dominic writes in, since the Yankees won their division in commanding fashion, the conversation in New York has to be focused on the Mets collapse. Besides the Braves seemingly historic comeback since June 1st, what went wrong for the Mets? Dominic, I, I just, I'm going to push back. I mean, the Mets played on a hundred win pace for four months from June one. I don't think they did, really did anything wrong. Uh, I think the Braves just played out of their minds. I thought uh, AJ Minter had it exactly right. And I know, you know, because it's it's the Mets and it's New York, it, we're going to pick them apart. I, I think this was a case of the Braves just playing great. I, I don't really find a lot of fault in the Mets. Matt Stock writes in, isn't it isn't a combined no-hitter basically the same thing as a team combining to hit four homers in a game? A nice team accomplishment, but that's about it. Matt, I'm with you. I, I don't really find it that compelling when I hear about a combined no-hitter. I, I you know, it's it is. It's like a, a cool milestone and you know the players are involved in it. They get to, you know, have a baseball jersey signed by all the players, and that's great. But I I don't I don't really care that much about them, to be honest with you. At Golf Life Rag writes in, given the purposeful failure of the Williams Hahn dictatorship to do their jobs in Chicago, why aren't they being fired? Missed the playoffs uh, 19 of the last 22 years and nine of the last 10 under Hahn, but nothing but silence and no change. Yeah, they built a great team for 2021. Uh, they ran away with the American League Central, but we've addressed this in the past. Jerry Reinsdorf uh, is the most loyal owner in sports. And he absolutely believes in his guys. He hangs on to his guys, uh, probably to a fault. And, you know, they are going to be White Sox fans who believe that this is a case where he's been relying on the same two team to, for too long. I think Rick Hahn's done a good job with running that team. Kimberly Garhart at Jolly Bone writes in, I remember sitting at my kitchen table at my parents' house when McGuire hit 62 and by sheer dumb luck decided to delay my grocery grocery store trip to hear Aaron Judge hit number 62 in my studio apartment. Where were you, Buster? I was actually in my car on the way to get uh, takeout from a Korean place here in Bozeman, Montana. And uh, and then my text dropped in from my son and he said, you know, Aaron Judge did it. And then, of course, I raced back to the house and watched the replays of it. Pretty cool. I was kind of like Roger Maris Jr. I was like yesterday afternoon, Taylor, I was I was on hold for SportsCenter. You know, I was on call. <laughs> in other words, if he breaks the record, then you jump immediately on television. I was released from that duty the afternoon. I was like, I got to go get some food. <laughs> Roger Maris Jr. had that tweet in the drafts all day long. He was ready to fire it off. Yep. Louisville Slugger writes in, you and Tim mentioned how Terry Francona will someday be in the hall, but will he be wearing a Sox cap or a Cleveland cap? Two championships with the Sox, one pennant with Cleveland. But given how he left the Sox, it feels like he's a Cleveland guy now. Yep. And given his family history with the Cleveland uh, team, you know, given the fact that his dad was so, you know, tied to the uh, to the Indians, I think he absolutely goes in with a Cleveland cap. Last one for today, Mitchell at Tigers of Detroit writes in which Rangers breakout player is most likely to repeat their performance in 2023, Nathan Lowell or Martin Perez? I like Perez. I think he had a terrific season. I think he's evolved as a pitcher. All righty. That's it for Bleacher Tweets. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. Get some playoff questions coming for uh, for Friday's pod. We're excited to, uh, to get things going in the postseason here. That's it for today. My thanks to Jesse, Todd, Sarah, and Taylor, and Aaron Judge, who created a summer memories for us all. It was a lot of fun uh, to see him go through that chase. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.